Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We're glad you're here today. We're continuing and kind of winding our series about crossing over again. And today I want to finish that because next week is a big celebration here. And it's, it's big because we're going to get to dedicate the new building. Now, we don't know all that's going to happen, all that we can do. There's still a few things I'll tell you about at the end that we're believing for to happen this week at the 11th hour. But in this environment where you can't get laborers and the prices all doubled and all the stuff we've been through, this is a miracle situation next week, and it's going to be a wonderful celebration. So it'll be better if you bring people. Remember, there's only two more Sundays in summer hours. So the next Sunday and the following Sunday is Labor Day weekend. That's our Sayonara Summer Sunday, we always call it. Sayonara Summer Sunday. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so, that's, so, so we begin two services again at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday, September the 10th. I believe that is. So please put that on your calendar. Get ready for it. I know a lot of our, we've had a lot of people that... Uh, sometimes have to work on Sundays and they haven't been able to come as regularly in the summer and we miss you. We want you to come back. We're excited. But this has been a wonderful summer with all the stresses and pressures and things going on uh, and especially with the, for, for our volunteers. Um, uh, very, very important. So today we're going to finish our, 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 our time together in this series. I call the message a faith for the other side. Faith for the other side. I think it'll be self-explanatory. And um, I wrote the message and already sent it out before I got some bad news on stuff yesterday. So I'm actually preaching to myself. Okay? <clears throat> so anyway, when I, when I looked at it from, from like, oh my gosh, now I understand this message. I got a prophetic word. And it's going to be right to you, and but it's also right to me, okay? Anyway, faith for the other side. We're beginning Romans 4, just a little passage all about Abraham's. The whole, all of Romans 4 is about Abraham's journey of faith and how it brought him into relationship with God. He was justified and brought into relationships. It's not about religious righteousness or self-righteousness. It's always about righteousness of God by faith, right? So Romans 4.17 says this, as it is written... God says, I have made you, Abraham, a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to hope, and hope believed. When it looked like it was hopeless, he said, I'm a hope anyway. Okay? So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken by God. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. 
A couple more things I want to weave in. Ephesians 4 says this, verse 11, And he himself, God, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for running your errands and doing everything in the ministry to help you individually and personally get all your chores done. Is that what it says? No, that's the seventh heaven pastor from 30 years ago. And even then it wasn't real. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. That's you. That's us. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, service, your ministry. For the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. Until we all come to the unity of the faith. My friends, leaders are assigned to equip for service, build up the body, promote unity in faith, and produce a well-rounded maturity in people called discipleship. Let's pray together one more time. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for what you're doing in now church. Thank you for what you're doing in all of our hearts and lives. We pray the God of miracles, Jehovah Rapha, the healer, Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Everything we need is in you. And Lord, every person has a different need today that's watching or that's in the room. Would you come? Holy Spirit, we believe. Help our unbelief and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. We talked this month about crossing over again. We said everybody has to cross over. Numerous times in your life, you will be going through transition. You'll be going from one season to another season, from job, maybe another job, to from situations where your kids, um, I've seen all on Facebook, a lot of our friends have their kids going off to college this week, and they're helping them move in dorms. That's a big change. Uh, The empty nest thing is a big change. If you're newly married, it's a big change. Whatever it is, change is transition, and transition is God's specialty. He's not afraid of helping you change. He wants you to change. Listen, the Bible says we're to go from glory to glory and from faith to faith. There's always something more God wants to do in us. What are you believing God for today? It's going to require you to think differently. That's what we focused on last week. You have to guard your thought life. Be open, open your spirit to God, but don't be so open-minded that your brains fall out. Open your spirit. But I've seen too many people, I'm open-minded, and now you lose common sense. And now common sense isn't common anymore. It's rare. <clears throat> we need that. In light of that, I, we talked about deception last week and the brainwashing of the world. I just want to give you a little homework assignment. And I didn't plan to do this, uh, but, but the Lord spoke to my heart to go and share it. So for those of you Muppet fans, I want you to look on YouTube, Muppet Babies on Disney Junior. Look up Muppet Babies. The, uh, the episode is called Gonzarella. You know Gonzo, the one with the big hook nose. I don't know what creature he is, but anyway, um, the premise is this, and you have to see it to believe it. It's about a 12-minute episode recently aired on Disney Junior, which is for preschoolers, okay? 
the episode is the takeoff of the Cinderella story. And, and just the, the capsulized version is this. They talk about, okay, the boys are going to go as knights and the girls are going to go as princesses because the royal handbook tells us that's the way we're supposed to do it. And then Gonzo is thinking to himself, well, they don't know that I like to wear dresses. And I don't want to go. So suddenly a fairy god rat appears. <clears throat> really interesting. And bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, Gonzo is given a disguise, and he goes to the ball as a girl. Uh, the whole thing is just quite shocking, especially when you think about this is to preschoolers. Um, but the end of it is mind-boggling when they all say, well, we wish you'd have told us, Gonzarella, that you like to dress that way because we can all dress like we want to dress. And here's, listen to this. At the end of the thing, the moral of this story that was recently aired is we need to get rid of the royal handbook. No. <laughs> what do you think they're talking about? The B-I-B-L-E? Yes, that's the book for me. My friends, when, when they talk about Disney conspiratorial things, check it out for yourself, okay? I invite you to look. Look online. Some of you are looking at it right now. I'm just telling you, wait till the end of the message, okay? <laughs> we are in a mindset shift right now, like Moses to Joshua, and the children of Israel had to go from maintaining to possessing the land, a mindset of dominion. That we're not victims here. We're going to take authority in the name of Jesus and we're going to move forward and we're going to influence the culture more than that garbage does. Now, what do you do when your back is against the wall and God didn't seem to do what you thought he'd do or when you thought he'd do it? He said to himself. <laughs> I wrote this earlier in the week. This part. Anyway, the answer is you trust God anyway. Even when you're disappointed, you trust God because trusting God is a choice, not a feeling. Think about it. We stand on one side of the Jordan in every situation, every challenge we're in. We stand on the side of all the stuff screaming at you, all the fear, all the unknowns. But one day soon we'll be across this great divide we're in right now. And we'll look back at this and we'll laugh or we'll cry or both. But never forget when we got in this building. Um, first of all, we had no paving except the concrete driveway that got destroyed over the years and it's now replaced. Thank God for pavement, the new driveway. Give it up to God for a new driveway. That's a big deal. A new entrance. But we didn't, we didn't have anything except the roundabout, you know, the little turn here where we had the overhang. And everybody parked in the grass. And our opening weekend, um, March of 20, excuse me, March of 19, 1997, we got in this building finally after delays and delays and delays. We got in and we had a couple, the younger people would never know who this is. Some of you might remember the Happy Hunters, Charles and Francis Hunter. They were... They were elderly people that were in healing ministry and they go all over the world and they didn't just have healing ministry. They would activate everybody else in healing. It was powerful. We had them in for our opening weekend and it rained like 
crazy. It rained like Noah had to arrive in an ark. And people were coming, but there was no, there was no driveway. I mean, except for the driveway, there was no parking lot. We came to the end and had no money for a parking lot. So we did that a year later. But for a while, people had to come to church walking through the mud or whatever else. And we just, you know what? God was gracious to us and we made it through that moment. I can look back now and say, ha, 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 wasn't that awesome? But I mean, it wasn't awesome that weekend. <laughs> it wasn't awesome at all. It wasn't fun. It wasn't good. And I fretted and upset and whatever. And it didn't change a thing. It just made me more upset. Our job isn't to stand on this side of the problem or this side of the Jordan and figure out every detail needed to get across. Any more than it was Anthony's job or Anthony and Julie together when they got the news of jaw cancer in December and, and everything had to go through your mind. Everything had to go through, the, through his mama's mind. But you hang on to God. When your mind starts swirling, you start grabbing to the word instead of what everybody else's opinion is. Because here's the mistake. <clears throat> we start calling everybody for them to calm us down and them to encourage us. And sometimes they're Job's friends. Job's friends were the ones that for 41 chapters said, well, Job, it's because you're, you're not righteous enough. You're not, if you were a holy man, this wouldn't be happening to you. You're the cause, Job. And a lot of people have Job's friends when bad news happens. But you look for an opinion right here that is the master's opinion and what the word says. And I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Our hearts and our minds are not to wrap around every detail. How are we going to do this? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Everything's screaming. It's to prepare our hearts to say, yet will I praise you. I will trust you anyway. One of my songs I sing all the time when I go through tough moments is an old Kent Henry song from the 80s, the 1980s. <laughs> Just to clarify. Though the fig tree fail to blossom and no fruit is on the vine, yet I will praise you. I will exult in you, the God of my salvation. You're my rock. You're my rock. I'm so thankful for the rock that is Christ. We don't have to figure it all out. We have to actually trust him for each step, obey him in faith, and ponder the thoughts, listen, of what it will be like when we're actually there. You have to start putting yourself, listen, we were praising God this morning for Anthony's healing, and I, I don't want to underestimate that, but I also know that there are others of you that are going through bad news, and you've been through stuff, and got stuff about your family, or your friend, or yourself, or whatever else, and you're going through it. I'm just telling you, when we praised God for his healing power, if we would have started with that, imagining that moment when we as a church would be able to celebrate this miracle together, or Tracy's miracle a few years ago, or Janet's miracle last year, or going on and on and on. If we could... I always feel like if, we could, if you could bottle certain 
emotions and kind of inject them later on. You know, like I always wonder why, you know, the first day somebody, when you get a new job, you're so excited, I got a job. And then the first day you go in and your heart is beating and you're meeting people and you're figuring it out and I got a job. And by Friday, you're like, oh, I hate to go to work. I got to go to work. Thank God it's Friday. Right? If we could only bottle that, that emotion of, it's my first day of work. This is awesome. And put it in again. But it doesn't work like that. But I'll tell you what activates it. Praising God on the other side. Praising God in your toughest moment. The meditation of your heart, chewing on thoughts. You have to think about these things. You have to get them in your spirit. The word says we need a new perspective is what we need when we're going through tough times. James 5.11 tells us to look at Job's story and, quote, consider the end intended by the Lord. That's what the word says. James 5.11, consider the end intended by the Lord. Look at what God was doing. In other words, read the 42nd chapter of Job. For 41 chapters, it's human meandering and rationalization and religious gobbledygook. And then Job gets a revelation and says, okay, I get it now, God. I'm a mess. But I need you. And God says, ding, 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 ding. You got it, Job. Because you can't save yourself. And God said, now why don't you pray for your friends? The Bible says, when Job turned and interceded, prayed for his friends, the Lord turned it and restored to him double for everything he lost. James says, consider the end. That means think about what it's going to be like when this thing you're going through now is over. When you're on the other side and you're out and you're looking back at it and you're going, well, I didn't see God back then, but I sure see him now. In those moments, I, I, where are you, God? But now I look back, he was with me. He really was with me the whole time. Even though my emotions and my mind were in turmoil, he was with me and he is faithful. And I can shout about it. And I can praise him. We need that new perspective. God is a restorer. As I was finishing up some of the message on Friday night, I happened to see uh, my friend Bishop Michael Pitts does some little blurbs online and I don't have time to play it all for you, but he does these little things where he, call, he calls them uh, what you think about that kind of moments. He does like a, a, a pro, provocative thought and then what do you think about that? He goes, what you think about that? And it's Ohio way, holy Toledo. And he said this thing and it just hit me so strong. He said, when God told the children of Israel to leave Egypt and go to the promised land, he never told them about the Red Sea. When God told Joshua to cross over and possess the land, he didn't mention that Jericho had impenetrable walls. And when Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat and cross over to the other side, he never told them about the storm. And he finished with this statement, you have to hear it. He said, the devil's no can never compete with God's yes. I love that thought. 
I love my friend, Michael Pitts. I love that thought. Jesus said to them, let's get in the boat and cross to the other side. I was kind of imagining after I read that or I saw that thing online. What if he said, okay, guys, get in the boat. Now, you get a little way across and hellacious storm like you've never seen is going to hit and you're going to think you're going to die. If I'm Peter, James, and John, I'm like, can I get the next boat? See, when God called us to come here to preach and to start Spirit Life, now church, 1990, if he'd have told us what would happen in the first year, we'd have been like, no. In fact, we, when we went through stuff about 10 months after we started the church, I literally said, you know, God, remember, I, I was an insurance agent. I was doing pretty well. I'm fine to go back into that. I thought customer service was bad in that field. <clears throat> in the church, they want to kill you. <laughs> I mean, I, if, I'm, I'm glad he didn't tell us. Listen, but Michael Pitts said also this. I forgot this part. He said, why can the devil's no never compete with God's yes? Why? Because the obstacles were completely irrelevant to his promises. Isn't that powerful? The obstacles were not the point. There is always going to be resistance to what God wants to do. There's always going to be something out of left field, something that steps out of the shadow, something that hits you across the face when you thought everything was cool. His word will prevail no matter what your circumstances seem to predict. It may be dire. I don't want to remind you today. You are armed and dangerous against the spiritual darkness of this world. And that is a threat to the powers of hell. You say, Pastor, I've only been saved for a few weeks or a few months. Excuse me, I've got to adjust this. It's, it's rubbing against me here. I don't want it to drive you crazy. Is that better? Yeah. All right, hopefully that's okay. Um, we go through these things and we feel like we're not accomplishing anything. Maybe you feel like you're a new person. You you're, you're just got saved. I don't know enough to be a threat. You are a threat. The fact that you're stepping out of nominal Christianity and stepping into the spirit-filled life is a threat. And that's why you've got to keep stepping. But y'all would say, I'm stepping, I'm stepping, I'm stepping. Your fear, apathy, and ignorance are the main things keeping you from total victory. Combined with insensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You have to adjust yourself to listen more to what God is saying than what everybody else is saying which is not a common trait in our culture, even among believers. 
In fact, one of the main jobs of pastors and fivefold ministry leaders, as I said earlier, is to equip the people of God for the work of ministry. The word ministry doesn't mean pulpit ministry. The word ministry means serving your fellow man, both outside and inside. Outside the church and inside. Outside in the community, but inside the church. The, the role of leaders is not to just do ministry for you, or be up on the platform and perform. It's to empower you to find your purpose, your calling, your destiny at every season of transition and maximize what you can do in those moments. That's our job. And that's what we're trying to do. We're moving forward with that. We're trying to empower you. Now the word equip here, the dictionary defines the word equip as to supply with necessary items for a particular purpose. Whether you know it or not, when you come and hear a message, what we're trying to do and what God's trying to do through us is to arm you with new tools and weapons, to give you all the equipment you need, the necessary items for a particular purpose. That's God's purpose. And you have a vast arsenal at your, at your disposal. You have an arsenal, tools and weapons you need to master. My goodness. The whole armor of God. If you'll do what Paul says and put it on every day, then you got, you got something going right there. The Bible says we have mighty spiritual weapons to pull down strongholds and cast down imaginations. You need to be equipped with the word of God. The blood of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a strong tower that you can run into and be safe. The power, the guidance, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and on and on and on. Crossing over together requires heart unity and agreement. The last few weeks I was hearing this phrase in my spirit. I had no idea what it meant when I'd be praying. Some of you from the military background, you might know what this was. I had to look it up. I kept hearing this phrase, force multiplier, a force multiplier. I said, well, what does that mean? I don't know what does that mean. So I started looking up. Let me define a force multiplier for you, then we'll kind of get into a little bit. The force multiplier is the effect produced by a capability that when added to and employed by a combat force significantly increases the combat potential of that force and thus enhances the probability of successful mission accomplishment. Now, that's a lot of words, but here's what it is. A force multiplier is any equipment, situation, person, people, mindset, tactic, strategy, anything you can put into the mix when you're in a battle that would exponentially enhance your chance of survival and your chance of victory. And I heard the Lord talk to me about a force multiplication that's coming to this body. Adding equipment, tactics, or strategies that exponentially amplify capacity and therefore power, we call that synergy. People, listen, the word says in Deuteronomy 32, one shall chase a thousand, but two shall put 10,000 to flight. That's a force multiplier. That's the exponential capacity of something. Folks, there's strength in gathering. Where two shall agree on earth as touching anything. Where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, I'll be there in the midst. 
<clears throat> think of the whole thought of engines and horsepower. There's a concept in, in science and, and engines known as mechanical advantage. It's the same thing as force multiplier in combat. When multiple horses work together, they can pull more weight than if each horse were to pull alone. Same with oxen or cows, whatever you have. But when you're talking about things that are pulling a load, things that are pulling a weight, when multiple horses work together, they can distribute the force of the pull more evenly, reducing the amount of effort required by each individual horse. In other words, you, you, you have a horse that, let's, see, let's say he can pull 5,000 pounds. I mean, I don't think a horse can pull 5,000 pounds, but maybe a good horse. But let's just, for the sake of argument, use a round number. A horse can pull 5,000 pounds. If I put a, a yoke and put two strong horses together, you would think, okay, they can pull 10,000 pounds. No, they can probably pull 15,000 pounds. Why? Because of a force multiplier. God created that. That's a law, it's a, it's, it's a physical law. It's, it exists in the world, but it's a spiritual thing. In the scriptures, we call it the power of agreement, which is where two shall agree on earth. The word agree there is the Greek word symphoneo, which means, which is the word from which we get symphony. Basically, when you have a concert of prayer or a concert of praise, your Force multiplication is exponential. Your capacity goes up from here to here. It goes through the ceiling, through the roof. And we have to understand that. One lady understood it was Amy Simple McPherson. Uh, if you don't know her, you need to read about her sometime. But she was probably the leading pastor of the biggest church in America back in the 1920s, 100 years ago. She built Angelus Temple when... when, when when Los Angeles population was about 50,000, if you can imagine, she had a church of 5,000, including most of the Hollywood early stars. She was dramatic. She was a healer, healing evangelist. She had all these things happen. And one day, uh, a friend of mine told me this story years ago. I never forgot it. <clears throat> one day, the press decided they wanted to go after her. Hmm, some things never change. <laughs> and this columnist from the LA Times and a photographer were at a healing service and they had seen and heard about people falling under the power of God when she prayed for them. She laid hands on them. And he was convinced that she had electrical wires hooked up under her nice flowing dress. And there was some kind of shock. So... The reporter and the photographer snuck out of the service while people, when the healings were going on and God's power was present, <clears throat> they went downstairs to the basement of Angela's temple and they heard in this room a whirring sound and they said, that's got to be the power generator right there. I'll bet you if we go in there, there's going to be wires hooked up from a power generator right up through the floor and going through this woman's dress and that's how these people are thinking that they're hearing from God. So they got the camera ready and they snuck up to the door and they flung it open and saw the power generator for themselves. 
About 20 little old, la- little old ladies praying in tongues. <laughs> and going for God. And they reported they had found the power generator. My friend, how's your power generator? Last few weeks when we've been dealing with stuff to try to get in the building enough to celebrate next week, we've been putting out there for about, how many people on our prayer team now, Pastor Gill? Maybe, we, we had one thing we put out to like 40 people, 35, 40 people. So we got to pray for Sod. Well, Sod is coming in this week in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, the power is on. The air conditioning's not. The power's on. It's hot in there. Our precious workers, Dave Blackman has lost 100 pounds doing this over and over and over again. Angel, Ray, Nolte, oh my gosh. I could go on and on for all of the help you guys have been giving. So we're this close. But the power generator. All I can tell you is one night we put a prayer thing out right away on the church app. Within a few minutes, we started hearing from people praying. We're praying right now. We're going, we're going on this. And, and I said to my wife, I feel it. I feel so encouraged right now. Because I know people are praying. If you're not on that yet, get the church, the church app. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a slide or something at some point to, where you can re- be reminded. But you can get the church app and get on there and be part of our prayer team. We, we need you. I've got 23 seconds to uh, finish the teaching. You better just write down fast. This is actually, the, that was my introduction. I'm not going to hold you. I'm just going to give, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to preach this. I'm going to list them for you, okay? My friend, when the Bible says put on the whole armor of God, it says this, above all, taking up the shield of faith, which enables you or empowers you to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All. All the arrows of hell. Doesn't say the shield of faith will do it for you. It says it will empower you or enable you to take it up in moments where everything's firing on you and it will protect you. Your faith is a shield. And it'll shoot down the missiles of hell. Does your faith crush the weapons of the enemy yet? Because it should. That's what Abraham's faith did in Romans chapter 4. Faith is a dynamic spiritual force. It's the way things work in the kingdom of God. It's the currency of heaven, Brother Hagin used to say. It's the currency of heaven. It's, the, it's what you bring to God in exchange for everything he wants to do is to believe him, to trust in him, to stand on his word, and to do it against all the odds. Faith is a dynamic spiritual force. But how does Bible faith work? Number one, faith speaks into the unseen realm. Faith works by this. Calls those things that don't exist as though they did. Or as my friend Charles Neiman says, calls those things that bees not as though they bees. 
King James-ish. It looks into the unseen realm. Hebrews 11 says, faith is a substance of what you're hoping for. It's the evidence or a handle on the things you can't see yet on the earth in front of you that you're trusting God for. And without faith, it's impossible to put a smile on his face because you have to believe that he's God, but you also have to believe, Hebrews 11, 6, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He loves you and he's a rewarder. Faith speaks into the unseen realm. Now, don't flip it around. Faith does not deny fact and call those things that bees as though they bees not. Anthony couldn't pretend cancer away. He couldn't, okay, well, doctor said this, but I'm trusting Jesus. I'm gonna sit home and read my Bible. No, faith without works, faith without action is dead. God uses doctors too, my friends. A doctor can close up a wound from surgery, but a doctor can't heal that scar. Can't even close up the wound. He can just sew it up. God is the healer. Put your trust in him. Faith speaks in an unseen realm, declares God faithful, faithfulness before the answer shows up. <clears throat> Somebody said once, if you're going to pray for rain, you better take an umbrella. Right? But do something active. Number two, faith agrees with what God said. It's not your opinion. It's not wishful thinking. It's not you just hoping on some pipe dream about healing. It's you finding the promises and saying, God, uh, this is a promise. I see it in here. I want it to be a rhema to me. I want to read this, get it in my spirit. So I'm going to begin to stand on this word. Faith agrees with what God says. God said to Abram at 99... I'm changing your name. I read that for years thinking that it, God, God had changed Abram's name to Abraham when he was 75 or 80, 85 or 90. No, 99, the year before the kid comes, the year before Isaac is born, God says, by the way, I'm changing your name. Your name, Abram, means a father. But I call you a father of many nations. And at that point, when somebody said, hey, hey, uh, nice to meet you. What's your name? My name's, you could either say Abram, father, that's what I was given as a name, or I can start to agree with what God said. Abraham. Sorry. <laughs> what have a Shamu splash zone up here? <laughs> you have to call yourself what you are comfortable with, or you have to call yourself what God says. Abraham said, from that point, my name is Abraham. I am the father of many nations. And I'm sure the first response was, where's your, where's your kids? They're on the way. They're on the way. Against all hope, he believed in hope. Faith is the substance of what you hope for. Number three, faith doesn't rely on obvious natural limitations. Doesn't ignore the facts, already said that, but isn't, but isn't convinced to doubt because of them. Because of the circumstances. He did not consider his own body already dead. Use your own imagination to what that means. Or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't go, well, we're too old. We're too old. No. He was convinced 
that God could do it. Number four, faith doesn't waver at God's promises through unbelief, no matter how long they take. Verse 22, he was fully convinced what God had promised he was able to perform. See, if you can't believe that you could change or God did something in your body, can you at least believe that God is able to perform what he said? That's where faith is. It's not faith in your ability to believe. It's, that's what a lot of people think faith is. Faith is I, people have faith in faith. Faith in faith is fake. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in God that he... Do, are you fully convinced that God can do miracles? And if he can do miracles, that he can do them for Anthony. And if he can do them for Anthony, that he can do them for you. A lot of you are much more adept at believing God for somebody else than you are for yourself. But Abraham didn't, he just had to say, my name's Abraham. I am who God says I am. And the circumstances didn't change for a year. At some point, three months later, Abraham got that old feeling again. Come on. Stop being so spiritual. There was only one immaculate conception, and it wasn't, it wasn't Sarah. Okay? At 100 years old, he's like, honey, we need to talk. If he said it, it's, he was fully relying on God's integrity. He was fully, fully relying. God isn't going to lie. Hebrews says God can't lie. That's why he believed. Number five and last, and I, I promise I'm done. Faith is strengthened when you glorify God in advance. The Bible says not being weak in faith, he gave glory to God. Before she got pregnant. Before anything happened. He believed God. And he glorified him. Lord, I praise you that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Lord, we praise you today. Your timing is perfect. Lord, we praise you today that you're the God of every answer to every question that we have. Father, you're our dad. You're our father. You're our heavenly father. And even if we've been failed by earthly fathers, you never fail us. You're a good God. You're a good Lord. You're a good father. And you never fail your people. We call it the sacrifice of praise, being thankful when circumstances are screaming otherwise. What's our takeaway for today? God's power working in you and through you is more than enough to get you across Amen. from where you are to where God wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that your word would add value and stir up the spirit of faith into every person watching, every person connecting with us online, every person in the room. Thank you, Father. That our faith is not in our own ability to believe you, but our faith is trusting in you to do what you said in your word. Lord, I'm aware today that there are some people in this room that are very lonely. You're able to bring them into relationships with good people. I thank you, Lord, that we know that there are people that have been diagnosed with something maybe this week or last week or last month and haven't even told anybody. 
and fear is trying to take their minds and steer them toward failure and death. But your word says that our God reigns, that Jesus is Lord over every circumstance and situation. Lord, we give you honor, we give you praise, we thank you in advance. Lord, there are people in this room that are believing for financial miracles and some are at that critical moment of need, but your word says you're not activated by need alone. You have compassion because of need, but you're activated by faith. And so today, for those believing financially, we make a stand here and we believe that you are the provider you said you are and you'll take care of every need according to your glorious riches by Christ Jesus. Lord, as we say around here all the time, as we trust in you, we want to see what God does. Lord, as a church, we have so much happening these next few weeks, but especially this next week, getting ready for Pastor Stephen, Sharon Kelly to come from Virginia Beach and wanting to have as much completed as we possibly can. Lord, we're desperate for you. We want to see all that you do. You are the ultimate force multiplier. You're the ultimate addition to every circumstance. I pray for every person, every family that's going through struggle, every person that's going through a storm right now. Thank you, Lord. You didn't tell us about the storm when you gave us the promise but you showed us that through the storm you would come join us in the boat and you would speak to the storm and give us that same type of faith. Believing and speaking and believing and speaking and trusting and confessing and declaring and believing and speaking and standing. Today we believe you, Lord. And we trust in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I feel better. I hope you got something out of that. I, I feel like I just, I feel like I just had therapy, but better. <laughs> Sometimes the best thing is just hear the word of the Lord and receive it. Yeah. Grab a hold of it. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.